right, everything's working, and we're up, we're up and doing this. So if you got your, you got your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter twenty-three. Uh, the title of this message is called "What You Think Is What You Become." I may just be doing the reading the scriptures off of both sides. Start up now. Work. No, it's loading. Like everything else, it's like really slow. Everything's slow today. Boom. Up. Bam. Done. Sweet. All right. Title of this message is what you think what what is what you become. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. We just thank you for how amazing and awesome you are, and Lord, that we have the opportunity to gather together in your name, the privilege and honor to be called your sons and your daughters, that you've adopted us into your family, and Lord, we want to live lives that please you. So Lord, let your word uh, just speak to each and every one of our hearts today, God, as we come before you, in Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says this. This is in the New King James Version. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And then the rest of the verse says, eat and drink, he says to you, but in his heart, it is not with you. But we're just focusing on the first part of that. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What does that mean? What does that mean? As a person thinks in his heart, so is he. What does that mean? Well, our thoughts and our thoughts usually about ourselves will eventually materialize into reality. So if we are constantly self-deprecating ourselves, I mean lots of selves, right? Self-deprecating yourself. <laughs> and you're constantly putting yourself down, what do you think that's going to look like for your future of what you do, who you are? You're going to find that begins to materialize. So I want to show a picture here. Um, this is just, and in no way are we, are we like shaming anybody or put the next slide on or, or looking down at, at anyone in their, in their current situation. To be quite honest, you know, I live in South Toledo. We, we do lots of ministry for the poor. We do lots of ministry with homeless people. But what is the difference between the person on the left and the person on the right? Is one better than the other? Absolutely not. Is one more blessed than the other? Absolutely not. The difference between the person sitting on the left and the person sitting on the right is their thoughts about themselves. Completely. You can have people that have the most amazing talent, most amazing ability. Most The person on the left might be even more gifted than the person on the right. I mean, they could, right, kick some bum butts. But what happened to the person on, on the, the right? The thing is that the person on the right conquered themselves, right? The person on the right conquered themselves, and that's what we have to do, friends. We have to conquer ourselves. We have to conquer our selfish, sinful nature. Because to be quite honest, there's only a few bad decisions that can take your life to being that right there. A few bad decisions. 
I mean, how, how is it that you have people that are, you know, millionaires and, and people that are, you know, and they, can, they, they go and file bankruptcy? A few bad decisions, right? In the same context, friends, if you stand, it's but by the grace of God. But by the grace of God. Look at your neighbor say, but. By the grace of God. But by the grace of God. Again, there's nothing that separates these two people as far as not one is better than the other. Now, as a society and for forever, we have always looked down upon people that have less than us. And that's why it's, it clearly says in the scripture and it tells us, you know, that, that we don't, you know, give special attention to rich people. You know, you actually take care of orphans and widows and gives us instruction that we're supposed to love on them and take care of people like that. Right? Even says the poor, you know, I will, I, you will have with you always. Meaning that there's always going to be people that are in need around us. Okay? But just because you have it, just because your life may be in a financial situation that's different than them. Hey, friends, the thing that, 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 uh, that separates these two is not money. It's not money. Give money to a fool, he's going to do foolish things with it. Give money to a person who has good stewardship and they're going to do well with it. Right? We just... We just learned about the parable of the talents. They, they were all given a significant amount of money. One buried it. One multiplied it. Right? And so in the same context, friends, that's, it. that's how it is with each and every one of our lives. And so, so our thoughts about ourselves can, materi can materialize. And if, and if you are constantly being bombarded and, and you actually agree with the thoughts, I am a failure. I won't amount to anything. Eventually, that will begin to materialize in your life. Okay, we're not talking about the, you know, and, and you have to, and you have to take, you got to understand all of this is, is scriptural, it's biblical. It's not, you know, well, I'm not talking about spit it and get it, blab it and grab it, you know, name it, proclaim it. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. But what I'm talking about is how you actually think of yourself, how you actually view life and, and view everything is how your life is going to end up. One of my favorite cartoons of all time is Cars. And at the very beginning of the first movie, uh, he's sitting in his trailer before he's about to go out, before he goes out to, to do the big race. And what he's, what he's doing is you hear him, he's talking to himself. And he says these words, I am speed. Okay? What he's doing is he's reminding himself that he was created, right? Obviously, you know, in a cartoon sense, he was created to go fast. In him was created the very DNA for him to race. So he was reminding himself, I am speed. <laughs> and he's like, one winner, like, I don't, 47 losers or whatever. I don't watch NASCAR. I don't know how many there are. And, he's, and, and so what he's doing is he's putting himself in the mindset that when he goes out there, he's going to give his very best. But what if before the race, he thought, I'm going to lose this race. I'm going to be racing against the king of all, of, of, of all kings of, of the race cars who's, who's about to retire. This is his last season, he, and, and he's going to go out with a fiery blaze, and I can't beat him. What if he went out with that type of mindset? What do you think would happen? He probably would have lost. I've been, uh, my, my, <laughs> my daughter goes to, um, she goes to mommy high school. And, and they have a bad reputation of, of, in their athletic department. And uh, the, the funny thing is, and I'm not saying this, I mean, it's kind of funny. 
is that even the coaches before the games let them know, we're going to lose, do your best. (laughs) (laughs) You're already coming into with this mindset of, of failure, right? And so, again, I am speed, you know. Jubilee's going to, yeah, Jubilee's going to start winning the games. Okay. So think of this, you know. So in the Bible, we got this guy's name. He's Gideon. You guys remember that guy? You guys remember Gideon? Well, when you first see him on the scene, when you first see him, uh, him co- uh, on the Bible, when he comes in the scene, what it says is that he's actually hiding his wheat from the Philistines or Philistines or whatever you want to call it. And he's grinding his wheat in a wine press. Okay. Now, back in those days, most wine presses had like an enclosure, you know, so they were like on, on the inside and they would press things. So he was, he was hiding, he was grinding his rain, grinding his wheat in the wine press. And why was he doing that? Because he was afraid. Because of all of Israel were under the captivity of the Philistines. And so the Lord comes and meets with Gideon and he says these incredible, amazing words to him. And then we'll find out what it says in Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. And this is what he says. Okay, the, the Lord comes and he brings, he brings a, an angel of the Lord. And he says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, did Gideon think that about himself? No. If he, would have th- if he would have thought that about himself, you think he would have been hiding his wheat in the wine press? No. But the Lord reminded him of who he created him to be. See, some of us need to find out what God thinks and says about us. Some of us need to find out what does God say about Gage. Really. What does God say about Kara? What does God say about joy? Right? What does God say about you? What is it, what are his thoughts of you? When God saw Gideon, even though Gideon was afraid and hiding, God looked at him and said, Mighty warrior. The thing about the Lord, which is so amazing, is God will look at us and he will see what he put in us and remind us of that thing. Now, we forget, and we'll have people around us that will tell us we can't. And we'll have people, and, you'll, and you'll, you'll self-doubt yourself. But this is the thing. Gideon, right, in his heart, after confirmations from the Lord, he believed the Lord. And he said, I am a mighty warrior. And he went and he destroyed thousands of Philistines with only 300 soldiers. Now, friends, God created us in his image, and he created us to do good things. Do you believe that? Right? We, we sing songs about how God has done great things. God has done great things, right? But he's designed and created us in his image for you to do some pretty awesome and great things too. When I read in the Bible, I see all kinds of men and women do amazing, incredible, awesome things, right? So number one, friends, we need to never limit ourselves. There used to be a saying, you don't know my life. You don't know my struggle. Remember people used to say that? God does. God knows your life. He knows your struggle. 
He knows the very hairs on your head, the ones that you combed out this morning. He knows the very hairs on your back. <laughs> we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that, that we were knit into our mother's womb. He knows every DNA strand on our body. That's incredible to think. It just I mean, it blows my mind when, I, when, when you think about how detailed our God knows us. Who only, there's only, really to be honest, there's only one who truly knows you. Do you know that? Your spouse really doesn't know you as much as the one who truly knows you. Your mama don't really know you like the one who truly knows you. Right? Your daddy. Your granny. Your boss. The devil. He doesn't know you. He might know a few of your weaknesses. He might know your buttons, but he doesn't know you like the one who designed you and created you. Only God truly knows us. Think of David, right? Check this out. King Saul didn't know David. He didn't know that David was a lion-killing, bear-slaying shepherd. He looked at David and he said, how are you going to fight that? <laughs> right? He didn't know David. To be quite honest, not even the prophet Samuel knew David. He looked at the, at the oldest brother of, of Jesse and said, that's got to be the guy. His brothers did not know David. They said, we know the pride that's within your heart. Jesse, his own father, didn't know David. When it was time to line up one of the potential kings, he was out in the field. But God knew David. Come on. Goliath didn't know David. Come on, are you seeing this? There are so many people even in this life around you who really don't really know you like how God knows you. Like, I don't know the potential that, that God put in my wife. Right? I don't know the God potential that he put in Sarah. He does. He put it there. I don't know. Right? I don't know what one of my kids are going to grow up and be and do. He already does. He gave them the very skills and talents and abilities to do whatever he's called them to do on this earth. I don't know that. But God knows. Right? God, he knew that David, that he put king anointing in him to rule. Because God put it there. Friends, we also have the power of the resurrection of Christ flowing in and through us. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are, do we know who we are in Christ? Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you? Really? Really? Do you know the authority that you have? Pastor Joy, just, just on the tip of the iceberg this morning, just share the, how powerful it is when we pray for one another. Do you know that you have the authority given by God through Christ to bind and loose? He says, I have been given the keys of the kingdom. He didn't say whatever I bind on earth and whatever I loose on earth. He says, whatever you bind on earth and whatever you loose in heaven and on earth. He says, I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, obviously, we don't get on power trips and we don't go around doing all that stuff. 
But friends, he's given us authority. Say, I have authority. Some of y'all don't even believe that. The devil didn't steal your authority. He just makes you feel like you don't have it. Because if he can make you feel like you don't have it, then you won't walk in it. But you have it. If you've said yes to Christ, and you've submitted, and you've surrendered yourself to him. He's given us authority. Come on, someone. When I see what Christians do in the New Testament, how come we're not doing that now? Has the gospel changed? Has the power of God changed? No. Our belief in ourselves, in Christ, has changed. What? You go over to other countries, man, they're, they're all in, buddy. All in. I'm not saying this on, a, on you know, in any way to try to degrade anybody. But friends, do you know who you are in Christ? Philippians chapter 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ. Not some things, not few things. I can do all things. What is something in your life that you feel like you can't do? And I'm not talking about something like, like way out there, like I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to be the next LeBron James. I'm not talking about like something like that. But I'm talking about you with your gift set and your talents and your passions and your abilities and everything that God has given you to, to, to do something on this world. What are you doing with that? Can you do something with that? Yes. Was it Martin Luther King who said that if you're called to be a street sweeper, isn't that Papa Zanette who said that? And how does the rest of that go? You, you, you. Yeah, you sweep like Beethoven composed music, right? Like you use what God has given you with the best ability and the best knowledge that you have, and you do all things through Christ with it. Right? Not building wealth for yourself, not building a kingdom for yourself, not building a name for yourself, but building the kingdom of God. Serving others with what you've been given. Are you guys with me? Say this. Say, I can do all things. Through Christ, who strengthens me? Man. Do I? Uh, let me just tell you a little bit. Okay. Okay. Right? I am a drug-abusing, alcoholic-using, selfish, lustful-filled coward. Apart from Christ. Come on. But in Christ, I am a, a, I am a courageous, gospel-preaching, soul-winning, devil-stomping, church-planning, Reaching, influencing more than a conqueror, set free, covenant bound by God in him and to her. That's in Christ. <laughs> right? Apart from Christ, that's ugly. But in Christ, come on. Right? God didn't look down at Josh Hester, the little uh, street rat over in North Toledo, look at him and say, he's only going to ever be that. Praise God. I didn't even think I could be whatever I'm doing now. Right? I never would have looked at myself and said, okay, I'm going to be doing all this stuff. No. But as God said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I'm like, if you say it, I believe it. The Lord is with you, preacher man. Okay. I, I don't know how to talk in front of people, but I'm going to receive that. The Lord is with you, pastor. Oh, oh, you're going to entrust me with people? If you say it, I receive it. 
The Lord is with you, church planner. Oh, really? I'm young. I'm unqualified. I'm insignificant. How can I do this? Well, you said it. I believe it. The Lord is with you, church planner again. The Lord is with you, father. The Lord is with you, husband. All of these things, every step. Friends, the Lord will call us up. He always will call us up. And then we respond with, I'm too afraid. I'm not worthy. Or, yes, Lord, I am afraid. But I trust you. I trust your word. And I'm going to go forward. All of us will face the threshold of fear. All of us. Not one person that's ever done anything significant in their lives or for the kingdom of God has ever not faced fear. All of us have. And we will continue to. It's a matter of when you face that fear, what you do with it. And I'm not saying that every time I face that fear, I conquer it. I lose, too. I lose, right? <laughs> you have a lion inside of you. Think of this. He's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Did you get a dumb picture of me? The snort is what gave it away. She's like, like, oh, like I was roaring. Wow, Lord. Oh, Jesus. I know I'm like trying to be all serious. My wife's over here taking funny pictures of me. Friends, you have a lion inside of you, not a mouse. Right? Right? We don't, we, gotta, we don't want mice. <laughs> a lion is the king of the jungle. He says he will call you to be, he will get, you will be the head and not the tail. Right? I mean, when you look at the Deuteronomy chapter 28 blessings, please go look at those. Look at all the curses too. When you don't follow the Lord, they're, they're pretty, pretty long. Right? If you don't follow, I mean, you know, it says, says, if you decide to disobey the Lord, then the curses are long. But the blessings are longer. And the blessings, it says, you know, he says, he will curse down to a third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But he says, I will bless to a thousand generations of those who love me. Friends, people will underestimate you. You will underestimate yourself. God never underestimates you. He actually calls you out. He always does. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and in him is everything that we need for life and godliness. Maybe we just need a little bit more confidence like Gideon. Put out some fleeces. It's okay. God, God is not offended by fleeces. Okay, God, if you're calling me to do this. Every time I've ever had any kind of major move, I've always done that. I need confirmation. I need, you know, if there's red flags, show me if there's red flags. Like, I need to make sure three or four other people, people of wise, sound like this is a good idea. Right? Think of this. There's so much God potential here. I'm going I'm to hammer this and then we're going to the next one. Think of this. There's so much God potential in this room. There is God potential to shake Waterville and the surrounding communities. To shake the city. To break strongholds. To preach and release the gospel. For people to walk in true freedom in Christ. And to walk in that freedom that Christ purchased for each and every one of us. Friends, don't ever limit yourself. Shake off the fear. Shake off excuses. Let's go. Let's go. Number two, so number one, friends, never limit yourself. Number two, never give up. Don't quit, won't quit. Look at your neighbor and say, don't quit, won't quit. 
Have you ever had, have you had a, can't talk today. Have you ever had something that you've done that was difficult? Absolutely. Have you ever had something that seemed like it was impossible and you faced it? We're going to be faced with times when we like, it seems like there's no possibility of, of, of moving forward or making it through. How many of us know that the Lord is with us? I have to be reminded constantly of Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, and we'll be seeing that in a little bit. Friends, don't quit. Don't give up. Friends, many of us quit because of the fear of failure. Anybody here ever faced failure before? How's that taste? It's pretty crummy, doesn't it? Sometimes when, the, when people taste failure, they never want to taste it again, and so they close off that area of their life that takes risks. Friends, don't do that. Don't be afraid of failure. Please don't. Thomas Edison said this. He says, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. It takes courage to face something we failed at. It does. Psalm 31 verse 24 says this. It says, be of good courage. He shall strengthen you in your heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. This will preach right here. Check this out. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Can I share something before going into Joshua chapter 1 verse 9? My wife and I back in 2019, we were ready to give up. We're tired. We're like, tired of the struggle, tired of the financial burden. Like, we can go make money, do stuff, take care of our family. Not worth it, blah, blah, blah. And for that whole year, I, you know, her and I, I remember we sat across from each other. Like, if things don't change in a year, then we've, we've, maybe the Lord, you know, you know that the, the Lord prunes, right? We're like, maybe the Lord's pruning us, <laughs> you know, we've, because he does that, you know, like, like, like the ministry isn't revolving around Josh and Joy, right? I mean, God could step Josh and Joy aside and place another leader. And I mean, he could do that if he wanted to. Right? I mean, and so we were thinking maybe, maybe we've, maybe we've just taken this ministry and we've just, um, you know, plumbed it to where it could go. I mean, financially we were, we were struggling. I mean, it was just terrible. And so that whole year, but you know, only, only her and I, I think, and then maybe a few people around us knew, and, but we came here still every Sunday, gave our best for our families, gave our best, even though inside we're like. We don't know if we should be doing this anymore. And um, so then I think it was October. We we took a, a, a little two-week sabbatical. Uh, and and our, our board said, you guys just need to get away for a little while. Just just take some time. Get away. We'll, we'll, take, th we'll take care of things. And um, at the time, we were still setting up and tearing down at the Waterville Event Center. We didn't even have this place yet. Um, Joey and I were like, we're just kind of, we, we, we're, 
exhausted. We don't know if we're still supposed to still be doing this. Maybe somebody else is supposed to come in. And uh, so we're like, we're just going to take some time. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're just going to see, you know, what God says. And we went to, we went and visited a few churches and people were coming up to us with prophetic words that were matching messages people were preaching. And this is what they, this is what was being said to us. Don't quit. Don't give up. And we, like I said, we didn't share this with, with people. We were just, that was within us and maybe a few people that we were, you know, some of our confidants. And the Lord just was reminding us, don't quit, don't give up. Why? Right here. We were, we were weary and doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. We didn't throw in the towel. While we were gone for two weeks, uh, Aunt Margaret found this place. We moved into this place, and it's been a joy ride ever since. And then, yeah, and then right afterward, we had the pandemic. How do you like that? But when we would check this out, when, but this is the funny thing. This is the crazy thing. We went into the pandemic and everybody's freaking out like per churches and pastors. They didn't know what they're doing. But Joy and I had a word from the Lord. He said, don't quit. Don't give up. And, and we were like, we're good. We can do whatever. We're good. God said, God said, don't quit. Don't give up. We're not. We went to the pandemic. Everyone's freaking out. We're like, we're cool. Like we had our pandemic before this pandemic. <laughs> And we're going to roll with the punches. We didn't do, we weren't doing any kind of live streaming broadcasting. We started doing that stuff, right? I was on, I was on the, the a 60, 80 hour uh, a week trying to figure this stuff out. Like it's, it just, you just do what you got to do. Right. And, and, but now, you know, both churches are, are, are flourishing and we've got ministry leaders and, and uh, streams and all this stuff because we didn't give up. We wanted to, we were ready. I mean, we had, we had lists of other things we could do. Too legit to quit. <laughs> Too legit. Too legit to quit. <laughs> 90s, man. Yeah, see, I don't know about the 90s. The 90s was, was the true era of living. It really was. The Lord reminds me of this. This is one of my favorite verses. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. It says, Have I not commanded you... Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is the thing, friends. Josh, God was calling Joshua to step out. It was nice and cushy and comfy under Moses. And then the Lord was calling him to be the leader. I know that. I was under a Moses. It was nice and cushy and comfy under Pastor Keith. And then when the Lord called, I'm like, okay, Lord, you're saying don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Strong and courageous. Okay. So number one, friends, never limit yourself. Number two, friends, please never give up. And number three, never let go of your dream. All of us have something inside of us that we are have an aspiration for. All of it, there's like something inside like that is driving you forward towards something. And some people, their dreams are very selfish in, 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 in their ambition, and that's fine. Even Paul says, whether selfish ambition or vain conceit, Christ is preaching that I rejoice. So if your selfish ambition is, is funding the kingdom of God, okay. God ain't, uh, ain't, ain't offended by it. <laughs> it's true. But um, never, let, never give up on your dream. What are your aspirations? Don't let anything steal that. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do that. I hate dream killers. I hate dream killers. When you stop dreaming, you stop living. 
That's why, I, that's why I love having kids around me. Man, they have all the biggest dreams, you know. They're like, man, if I could fly, I'm like, yes, I could fly too. Man, it'd be so much easier. No gas, right? I mean, can you imagine that? Like, hey, it's 7 o'clock meeting up there at, you know, the clouds today. Boom, right? Let's go. I mean, how amazing would that be if God gave us wings? It'd be awesome. Right? What are, what, are, what are your God-inspired dreams? Maybe you think, well, I don't know what I'm called to do. Anybody ever question yourself? You ever say that? I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Anybody ever say that? Raise your hand if you're, if, if you're with that with me. Right? I'm doing stuff, and I still sometimes don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, Lord, am I supposed to be doing this? This is the thing, friends. Usually... What we're called to do is aligned, listen to me very carefully, young people. Usually what you're called to do is usually aligned with your passions, your gifts, and your talents. Even though they need, may need to be refined. Right? If we keep God first, and he is our all in all, then our passions should align with his kingdom. And our dreams should have little to do with us and more to do with him and others. If you don't have a dream, you need to ask for one. Ask for one. I don't have a dream. You need to get a dream. <laughs> you need to have something that you're shooting towards. You know, one of my dreams is that Northwest Ohio will, will know Jesus. Right? I'm like, if, if Reinhard Bonnke can say, Africa shall be saved, and believed it, then Toledo for Christ, just like Billy Sunday, back in the early 1900s, Holy Toledo. Why not? Right? That's, I mean, that's, that's what I'm working towards. That's my heart. That's my passion. That's my dream. Can you imagine? Could you imagine a city of people that love the Lord, that have fully surrendered? Do you think there would be crime in our city? If people truly surrendered their life to Christ, do you think there would be murder in that city? Now, I mean, obviously, that is a dream, right? It could happen. Don't, don't try to stomp on my dream. Don't be dream killing. Revival ain't going to happen because this, that, and the other. Shut up. Seriously, I don't need you around me. <laughs> you know, this, that, and the other. No, I'm, believe, I'm telling you what I'm believing. I'm believing for a move of God that will awaken young people, that will awaken our city. Don't dream kill me. Don't kill my dream. I'm believing for 100,000 people to come to know Christ in Northwest Ohio. What, would, what, what, what could God do with 100,000 people who are fully committed to him? If he could do with 12, what could he do with 100,000? saying. Don't let people kill your dreams. Right? I mean, if you, if you have a dream, you have an aspiration, you're going to do something, you feel passionate about somebody, don't let somebody tell you you can't or you won't or you shouldn't. God gives dreams and visions, right? Think of Abraham. Abraham had a dream to, to have a son. He was 100 years old. That dream sounds preposterous. God did it. Last verse. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. This is actually the verse that we founded our church on. And it says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. That verse is why we named our church Vision. 
Because we were like, we are going to give vision so that people stop perishing. Hmm. We are going to give vision. We need to be vision. Friends, what you think is what you become. If you have a defeated mindset that says, I can't, then you will live that out. But remember, even Moses said, I can't. But God said, you can. Look at this. Moses stood before the fiery bush and he said, I can't even speak, Lord. But look what he did through God. Friends, say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Friends, believe God, be victorious in your personal walk and in your personal life and do great things. One last thing as I'm closing. Before I was even married to this fine, she's, she's fine and she's mine, woman of God over here sitting up in the front row. There was a prophetic word given to man you 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 have to you got to get some prophetic words in your life man you just got to prophetic words are the word of the lord and they will they they're timeless they will you will look back at some of those things and they will carry you this is one of them this thing has carried me there's a prophetic word given to my wife before we were even thought of she was in ministry school in youngstown and uh, this incredible man of god Pastor Andre, right? South Africa. You know, he's an evangelist and he's preaching and stuff. And they were praying for people and stuff. And, and, he, and he looked at Joy and he said, you've already crossed paths with your husband. And you would do great ministry together. Before we even did anything, God knew. Like, oh, this is great. There's been times, man, when I'm discouraged and I remember that word. Because <laughs> you great ministry. God called this great. I'm no better than you. <laughs> neither was Gideon or neither were any of the amazing people in the Bible. God's called you to do great things. Let's pray. Father, we say we love you, Lord, <laughs> and you are so awesome and amazing, and it is a delight and an honor to be in your house today. And uh, you've been so good to us, and we don't deserve any of it. Uh, but yet, because of your great, amazing, unfathomable love, you've given us everything. To be quite honest, you created this whole earth for us to enjoy and yet it's been corrupted and destroyed by sin and yet even in our failures you still redeem and you still call us up and you still call us forward so God we surrender our lives to you today either for the first time or for the hundredth time again and say God here we are we love you we surrender our thoughts of ourselves to you. <laughs> Some of you guys need to do that real 
in a real way right now. Surrender the way you think about yourself to the Lord. In the name of Jesus. And that could be on either either spectrum. You could either think too highly of yourself. You need to surrender that to the Lord. Or you don't think enough of yourself. You need to surrender that to the Lord. God, we do. God, we surrender our, ourself to you. And I pray even now in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, every person in this room, every person that's tuning in, we pray for God for, for a prophetic revelation of what you've called us to do. In the name of Jesus, would you speak? Would you speak through your word, your written word, God? Would you just instruct us with that? Would you bring people into our life that would just stir up the, the gifts and the talents in our life? that would maybe even give us a, a direction, point us on, on what we're called to do. Lord, not, um, not get us off uh, and, and shift us away from you, but Lord, that would help guide and direct us toward what you've called us to do. And if we take a few missteps, that's okay. Lord, we'll shake the dust off and we'll keep moving forward in Jesus' name because we're going to make mistakes along the way. And Lord, and we receive that. God, we, we know, God, we're going to, we're going to, mess this thing up. We, we keep doing it, but you'll, yet you've given us the grace. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. God, we're going to not quit. We're not going to give up. And if today you feel like there's an area of your life you feel like you want to give up on, would you just surrender that to the Lord? Maybe you've been wanting to give up on your marriage. Maybe you've been wanting to give up on this incredible responsibility called parenting. <laughs> Maybe you've been wanting to give up on your, your values. Maybe you've been wanting to give up on this walk of faith. Saying, man, I'm just, I'm just not getting it. I don't, I can't do this. I'm done. Would you just give that to the Lord right now? Say, here it is, Lord. <laughs> These are the areas I feel like I'm failing in. Would you give those to the Lord right now too? I feel like I'm failing in this. I know every person in here. In some place in their life, because we're all human and I'm here too. We feel like we're not measuring up. Just give that to the Lord right now in the name of Jesus. Give your failures before him. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now the thing is, the Lord has called us not to sit there and bask in our failure. But Lord, would you just remind us of the things you've placed in us, the things that you've put into our DNA to impact this world, to be salt and light, to love on people, to make an impact in people's lives. Thank you for that. Jesus. Just a few more moments, guys. I know this was, I know I kind of hit this hard a few times. Uh, this morning, but I just really believe with all my heart that each and every person in this place, God has called you to do great things. Jesus. And may you explore and figure out what that is. <laughs> in Jesus' name. And friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. 
May the Lord turn his face towards you. May he give you peace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining with us today, friends. God bless you.